So I'm doing the, the continuation of the Lord's Prayer that we've been going through. Um, and uh, Mark had the heading, The Greatest Prayer. Um, and he, to- he spoke last week on Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I've got the next part of Your Kingdom Come. So we're going to be looking at that today. Um, and, and it was quite interesting because when, I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever I've looked at the heading in the Bible where it says the Lord's Prayer, and then you read the prayer, and, and I always think, you know, these, these theologians and these scholars, have, they've got this wrong. I, I, like, why would they call it the Lord's Prayer? I mean, this is not something that he would ever pray. I mean, Jesus doesn't need forgiveness. He doesn't need to pray for this thing. And it's called the Lord's Prayer, and I'm thinking, it's not his. Surely it's, it's our prayer. And so I always kind of like, you know, thinking, you know, if I was, you know, putting the headings in the Bible, I wouldn't put that. I'd put something like Disciples' Prayer or something like that. And I was thinking about that, and, and do you know what happened in that moment? In that moment, God showed me how prideful and self-centered I am. That I would think that I would have better understanding than these guys that have studied their life. That I would have it right and they would have got it wrong. And in that moment where I'm here going, it shouldn't be called the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, just you know, one of those moments where you just know he's speaking to you and he goes, of course it is. Of course it is. Why? Because a It's my prayer that I have gifted to you. It's like me saying that I stand before God in my righteousness. I kind of do, but I only do because he's given me his righteousness. So when now I look at the Lord's Prayer, I think, that is exactly right. Of course it is. Here's the Lord's Prayer that he has gifted to us. This is our gift. And I don't think now, oh, I'll change it and I'll, tell, I'll say it's the disciples' prayer. No, it is the Lord's prayer and he's given it to us. It's a gift. It's an amazing, amazing gift. And when, when we look at it like this, when we look at it as a gift, we're not trying to see it as something that has to, uh, we've got to conform to. Now we're seeing it as something that we can hold, we can take hold of, we can own it. We can say, this is a gift given to me. This is now my prayer. Jesus is saying, let my prayer be yours. It's an amazing thing, and in me, it broke something a little bit there. My pride is a little bit lower, my self-centeredness that little bit less, and allowed me to see, once again, look to God. Now I love calling it the Lord's Prayer. I love it. Because when I say that now, I'm like, yeah, I... My focus is therefore directly upon him. I love it now because if I say the disciples' prayer, what's the focus on? Well, it would be on me or on disciples, or not on God. But now I love it because it focuses on God. So we're going to read it to get to you now. Matthew 6, we're going to read from the version that's in Matthew. We're going to read, we're going to read it in context, so we're going to read from 1 to 15. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then, uh, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So in this prayer, we're going to look at that one little phrase, that one little part, your kingdom come. That's all we're going to look at today. But it's what I found when I was studying this and looking through this is it's interesting that there's two versions of the Lord's Prayer. And they're, they're similar, but they're different. And there's one in Luke and there's one in Matthew. And sometimes we can think that actually they didn't quite put it down right one of the times, maybe the second time, maybe the first time, who knows. But actually the, the, the better understanding is that actually Jesus wouldn't have said this prayer once. This wouldn't have been, he said it once and that was it, they got it for all time. He would have said it again and again and again. Just like when you come to church and you hear a message that sounds the same again and again and again. But he would have said the same thing perhaps in a different context, perhaps with a different emphasis. So the one in Luke actually has a bit of a different emphasis to the one in Matthew. But that reminds us, and I want to encourage you right now, that reminds us that rarely are you ever going to hear me say something new and fresh to you. Most of the time I'm going to be saying something you've probably already heard. But, It's not what I say that matters, it's what the Holy Spirit does with these words. And so I want to encourage you now that don't sit there going on the edge, you know what, I've heard the Lord's Prayer, I've heard what the kingdom is, I've heard all this before. I want to say to you right now, when you hear it afresh, allow that opportunity of the Holy Spirit to come in and do something deep within you. Because I tell you right now, I've spent three days in this room. And when you allow... God, into your heart, he transforms it, and it doesn't matter what you're reading. It doesn't matter if you're reading the same thing over and over again. I don't know how many times I've read that, the Lord's Prayer, and yet now I feel more alive because I've read it than when I didn't. So I want to I challenge you and I want to encourage you. Allow the Holy Spirit to do something afresh in you today. Don't let these words have to be afresh in you. Let the Holy Spirit refresh you today.
And saying that, we now have a look at what does Jesus mean by kingdom? Your kingdom come. If we don't understand what the kingdom is, and especially we don't understand what Jesus is saying is a kingdom in this particular passage of Scripture, then we won't really know what we're asking to come. We're, we, we have no idea. We'll, we'll be just like the hypocrites. We'll just be saying words. We'll just be babbling. So it is good to know what the kingdom is, so that when we pray this, we know what we're hoping for. We know what we're looking for. So we must first answer this question, what is the kingdom? Jesus loved talking about the kingdom. In the ESV translation, there's over 110 times Jesus mentions the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing, people, okay? It's the same thing, and I'll show you why later. Over 110 times, he spoke about the kingdom of heaven. It was very, very important that Jesus taught his disciples what the kingdom of heaven was. And in fact, John the Baptist actually starts off preaching. What does he preach? Repent, be baptized, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For the kingdom of God is near. It is almost here. The kingdom of God is so close. Repent for the kingdom of God. And when John the Baptist was chucked into prison, do you know how Jesus started off his ministry? Do you know the very first thing he started preaching? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The very first thing he starts preaching is change how you are living because the kingdom is so close. In fact, in Luke 4:43, Jesus said that he was sent. One of the main reasons he was sent was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That his purpose was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is quite important when we're coming to try and understand what Jesus was doing here on earth. Jesus went from place to place proclaiming the kingdom of God And what did he do after he proclaimed the kingdom of God? He healed those in need and all who were afflicted. So what did he do? He he said the kingdom of God is here. Look at the kingdom of God. It is here. It is coming. And then he demonstrated it. He said the kingdom of God is near and this is what it looks like. And then he did it. He went from village to village, place to place. And then he sends out the 12. And what does he send out the 12 to do? Preach the gospel and bring the good news of the kingdom. He actually tells them, go tell them the good news of the kingdom, that the kingdom is near. So all these things we're hearing, he also sent the 72 out. He tells them the exact same thing. Exact same thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. 
But he didn't just stay at that point of saying the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is almost. He actually goes further on, and in Luke eleven twenty, he actually says, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So first of all, he's preaching the good news of the kingdom, and he's demonstrating it. And then he goes, later on in Luke, he's saying, no, actually, the kingdom has come. And even more clearly in Luke 17, 20, he says this. So the Pharisees, they, they asked him when the kingdom of God would come, and he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So he's saying this to the Pharisees. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And this is a, a really big clue to what the kingdom of God is. So if he's saying to the Pharisees, they're not disciples, they're not believers, and he's saying the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, what is he actually saying? So if Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is already in our midst, what is he talking about in the Lord's Prayer? And if we look at the Lord's Prayer, how does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. Your kingdom come. Now, Jesus just said the kingdom is in your midst, which we would immediately take, and I'm assuming you've taken, which means that the kingdom is about Jesus Christ. And yet here Jesus is saying, Our Father, your kingdom come. What does that mean? So if I asked you this question right now, Whose kingdom is Jesus talking about? What would you answer? Now, of course, of course, you would, I mean, that, John's just answered God's kingdom. Now, yeah, that's correct. Who would say it's the Father's kingdom? Yeah. Who would say it's Jesus' kingdom? Yeah. And who would say it's God's kingdom? Yeah, we all would. But why does Jesus say, your kingdom come? And it's critical that we understand this because it makes a big difference between the kingdom that Jesus is talking about being in your midst and the kingdom of the Father that is coming. And it's a big difference. And I want to, I want to take you through that and show you why the difference, not only will the difference help you understand the Lord's Prayer but it will, and help you pray, but it will so free you. I, I tell you, I was... Yeah, do you know, when I, when I understood the breakthrough that came, that, and, and it may not be much to you, but when a revelation comes to me, I was running up and down this aisle going, yes, I got it, I got it. And, and you probably won't be the same for you because it was hard work for me to get it. And I'm going to kind of serve it to you on a silver platter, but I tell you what, it is so good when you get it. It feels like that the kingdom itself has somehow been birthed afresh. 
It's brilliant. I'm going to take you through, and I'm going to hope that that same joy, that same revelation, you will also see. So when Jesus is teaching the prayer, he doesn't. He says, uh, "says Your kingdom come." He doesn't say, "My kingdom." or the kingdom of the only begotten Son, or the kingdom of the Son of Man. It is your kingdom. And if we stopped right there, only looking at the Gospels, only looking at what Jesus said, we would miss out on the grand, grandness of the kingdom. It is grand, people. If we go to Psalm 103.19, it says this, The Lord... Now, this is Yahweh. This is God. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So the kingdom of heaven, it rules over all. It is amazing. It is grand. It touches everything. All of humanity, all of creation, all of heaven is touched by the kingdom of heaven. And it is established it is established in the, in the heavens. It's not in competition with any other kingdom. It doesn't mention that it's striving to keep its place. It's a kingdom that is overall. Everything is underneath it. God has established his kingdom in the heavens. If we stood and, and said, that, that's the kingdom it's talking about. It's just talking about the kingdom up there just talking about that big grand kingdom that we can't really associate with because it's, it's that kingdom. So if we stayed there, we would miss out on something as well. So we jump to Daniel seven thirteen to 14. It says this. This is one of Daniel's visions. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven, and they came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days. Now, who's the Son of Man? What was Jesus' favorite title to call himself? Son of Man. That's what he, that he, he referred to himself more than any other title was Son of Man. Ancient of Days. Do we know who the Ancient of Days is? The one who has no days that he has never been in existence. This is the Father. So listen to this again. There came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him, before the Ancient of Days. And to him, the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away for his kingdom, for his kingdom shall not be destroyed. So here we have God saying that he's established his kingdom in the heavens, and then one, like the Son of Man, comes along and the, and the established kingdom of the Father is now given, says here, is given to the Son. So the the kingdom we're talking about is the kingdom, the grand kingdom, the grandest of all, is given to the Son. So God has given Jesus his kingdom. 
And Psalm 110, it echoes this, this same thing. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is God gifting to Jesus the kingdom. Let's keep going. It gets better. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, 15.25, For he, talking of Jesus Christ, must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And then in 20, verse 27 this says this, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, under Jesus' feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. Which is just a, a wordy way of saying that everything is subject under Jesus. Everything is under Jesus except the Father. For the Father has given all of that to Jesus, for all is under the Father. So Jesus reigns in the kingdom that the Father has given him. Jesus is King and Lord of the kingdom that has been given to him. He has inherited the Father's kingdom, and this is the kingdom that we're talking about. We see this same pattern that Jesus speaks of in, in Luke 19.12, and in the parable, he says, a noble, man, a noble man went to, to, into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And then later on in verse 15, it says, and when he returned, having received the kingdom. So here we're getting a little bit of a picture now of the father, the kingdom established in heaven, being given to the son but the son has to actually go away for a time. And once the kingdom has been fully, fully established, all things are under the feet, all enemies' footstools, then he returns, having received the kingdom. So my question is, whose kingdom is it? Well, it's the father's, it's the son's, it's God's kingdom. Revelation 5 says that Jesus, by his blood, has ransomed the people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and that Jesus has made them into a kingdom and a priesthood to our God. So the kingdom is being given to Jesus. Now Jesus is going and redeeming See, we have two aspects of the kingdom here. The kingdom that is now and the kingdom that is not yet. The kingdom that has been established that Jesus will one day return with. And the kingdom now where Jesus is actually redeeming. See, the kingdom is primarily about redemption. It's not about restoration of creation. The kingdom is primarily about redemption and reconciliation of people to God. But it doesn't stop there. Listen to this. If we go back to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Verse 28. When all things are subjected 
to him then the son himself so when all things are subjected to Jesus then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him so here we have the grand kingdom the kingdom established in the heavens gifted to the son the son comes to earth and he says the kingdom is now i will show you what it's like the kingdom now yet i will show you what it will be and then there will come a day where as it says in that parable that jesus will go away for a time and when all things come to an end and it's all wrapped up jesus takes his kingdom and he says this kingdom that you have given me i now give to the father It's not saying that Jesus has abdicated himself as king. He's like, I'm no more king, you're king, I'll step aside. No, no. He's saying, me and my kingdom, we are subject to you, Father. I bring all that you have brought underneath me. I am now bringing all of that, me included, and we are saying we are yours. And what does that mean? It means that then the Father can be all in all. That means that the father can rule all things in all people for all good for all time all in all your kingdom come it doesn't quite explain though what the kingdom is your kingdom come is not talking about that kingdom that Jesus has delivered to the father Well sorry I mean it is talking about that kingdom it's not talking about the kingdom now it's talking about the kingdom that is to come that kingdom that will be delivered to the father So where does that leave us So we're in this unusual period then where the kingdom is here yet it's not quite and and there will be a day where the kingdom is all wrapped up and all that is uns- is being subjected to Jesus will now be put into the father and he will be all in all and the kingdom will be all and then we can truly say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven let what it is in heaven now be the same on earth let the harmony of heaven be in harmony with earth let the heaven and the earth become one as it is in heaven as your rule and reign exists in heaven exist here on earth see that's not our reality right now that that kingdom of heaven we know is not right now don't we and this is what romans 13:12 says the night as the night is far gone the day is at hand so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light let us walk properly as in the daytime we are in the dawn of the kingdom but the darkness 
is fading. It is over. The night has passed and the day is coming. When we look at this world, we do not look and see darkness and it getting darker and dimmer. We look as if it's getting lighter. We are closer to salvation than we've ever been. The dark is going. The night is passing. We are in the dawn. The day is coming. Now live as in the day. Live as if the kingdom of heaven is actually right now the same on earth. And what does that mean? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, Father God, we stand here. We know that there is all things that are going to be subjected under you, all things that are going to come under you, everything. Yet right at this moment, as in Hebrews it says, we don't quite see all things subjected to you yet. Yet. But the kingdom we are praying, when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying for the end to come. Do you realize that we're praying for the end to come? And why is that good? Because we have experienced what the kingdom will be like, so we start living what the kingdom will be because we do not, no longer trapped by being here, for we know what we have the hope of seeing. So when we see people, and sometimes they're healed, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's in part. But there'll be a day where all people will be healed. We suffer sometimes, but there'll be a day where there'll be no suffering. We are rejected sometimes, but there'll be a day where we will be completely and absolutely in the fullness of the belonging of God. We are seeing in part. We trust God in part. We believe in God in part. We have faith small in part. We love him in part. Do you know what, people? We are in this dawn period, but there will be a day where we will see him as he is. And guess what? All these struggles of trying to love him with our whole heart will disappear. Or he will be all in all. We will love him fully. I can't even, I can't even explain how amazing that is. We will not suffer in part anymore. We will not trust him in part. We'll trust him fully. This is the kingdom that we're praying in. Your kingdom come. May the fullness come here. But we live in this dawn. We live in this period. So it says, stop living in darkness. Start living in the light. And when we live in the light, we bring the goodness of God into this world. And what does the goodness of God do? It transforms lives. Do you know, we're not here. I'm, I don't have any, anything in my head that wants to convert someone. Do you know what I want to do? I want to display the kingdom of heaven to people here on earth because then they will see what the kingdom will be and they will like, I want what that is going to be. So I don't want converts. I want people to know what the kingdom of God is. 
And that requires me to live it now. But we don't live it in our own strength. Don't let me, don't hear me trying to say you've got to do something here. I'm saying that when the goodness of God turns up, you will start living the kingdom. You will. Colossians 3, 1 to 17. I'm going to finish on this because Paul and his epistles are brilliant at wrapping all this up. Listen to this. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He's gone away for a period, people, but he's coming back. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the kingdom come. This is what we're praying for. Your kingdom come. Your glory reappear, please, Lord Jesus. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked. We were once in the kingdom of darkness. We no longer are. We are now in the kingdom of light. You once walked in these ways. But now you must put away all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Wow. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, slave, free. But Christ, listen to this, Christ is all and in all. You see, we are, we are anticipating, hoping for, praying for, longing for that day when the Father will be all in all. But as we wait for the Father to be all in all, right now, Christ says here, Christ is all and in all. Those who are in the kingdom, Christ is in all and is all. And what this means is, is we're not trying to do it in our own strength then. In this is Christ within us. It is he who lives. And in this place, in this place of being hidden in Christ, we leave. And so what do we do? What do we do once Christ is all in all? We do this. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks- thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The kingdom is now, but the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is right now, here, Christ in us is the kingdom. The kingdom is about the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom now. But there will be a kingdom that's coming that is about the rule and the reign of the Father. 
which is the completed kingdom, the consummated kingdom, the kingdom that has no end, the kingdom is all in all, fully, fully free, fully discoverable by us. All in all. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, this is what we're saying. We're saying, help us be the kingdom now as it will be, that we may see the redemption of the people from every tribe and every nation and every language. That then Jesus, when he returns, may take this kingdom that he has won for himself and present it to the Father. And then the Father may become all in all and we may truly understand what it means. On earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we stand in the dawn of the kingdom of heaven. We thank you that we know that our hearts, we have this opportunity for our hearts to be in subjection to you. We can choose to put our hearts into your kingdom, our lives into your kingdom now. For there will come a day when all things will be wrapped up. And then we will see you as you are and we will become like you. But we pray until that comes, as we are here in the day, we may may look into the world and we may see a world that is becoming lighter For the day is coming. And when we see troubles and tribulations, we as Christians will be the salt and the light. When we see things falling apart, we may get in there and hold the goodness back together. We are the salt of this world. When there's decay in this world, we as Christians come and we hold it together until the consummation of the kingdom. Your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. It is here now, and we pray your kingdom come, Father. Lord Jesus, I pray as we go out this week, we would live your kingdom. Your kingdom now, in the hope of your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name, amen.